Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm Roger. And I'm Dusty. My brothers and sisters in Christ join us every Thursday as we work out these three perspectives in our everyday lives. The great John Murphy, the great, you, you know what I'm speaking of, uh, real quick, it's off subject, but uh, uh, when John, St. John Paul II, I get confused because it's like St. John Paul the Great, right? I, anyway, anyway, the great John Murphy, who's not a saint, who's not a pope, the not great yet, John anyway. Murphy, not yet. There, and I'm choked up because I know how special this episode is. Yeah. Uh, it means so much to me. I, I shared the other day with you guys that I grew up cradle Catholic, you know, in a Catholic and beautiful Catholic home and stuff. But I never really realized until much later how many times this person, this this human being who is uh, very, very saintly and amazing for us in our faith, how many times she intersected uh, uh, my life and um and now to have her in my life so actively um is is beautiful it always makes me almost tear up and cry and of course the person i'm talking about is the mother of god the mother of jesus uh mary 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 herself you know and i have a great devotion also he's my favorite saint um saint joseph but we had a an interesting discussion the other day um and we listened to a a, a talk by bishop sheen um, who devoted this this uh, this lesson of his to the Virgin Mary, and it was interesting how um, how the story started. Right, um, he he talked about um, the idea that there was a a princess in China who Quan uh, Yen was her name, and according to Chinese lesson, this young princess who lived five hundred years before Christ. She wanted to dedicate her virginity to God, and her father didn't like that, and so she he killed her. And according to the legend, a tiger dragged her into hell, and she began pleading mercy for all the inmates of hell, all the people that were there. And so she disrupted hell so much, she introduced charity into hell, that the devil ordered her out of hell, <laughs> and she became the Chinese goddess of mercy. Uh, Quan Yen is her name. And that sort of sets the topic or the tone for this idea that we um, have this yearning for women, great women in religion. And it sets the table for the story of our Heavenly Mother, uh, uh, the Virgin Mary, who was herself, um, you know, uh, discussed, by the way, in, in, in about 40 verses a lot of people don't know this. 40 verses in the Quran, which is the book of the Muslims, right? The most important book of the Muslims. They discuss the most blessed uh, Mary uh, of all the women in heaven. Um, they have uh, the daughter of Muhammad, whose name is Fatima, interestingly. Yeah. She died at a very early age. And Muhammad mourned her passing very deeply. And he wrote concerning of her, of all the women in heaven, she is the most blessed next to Mary. So even the Muslims agree that our Heavenly Mother um, has a very special place in, 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 in our faiths. That was interesting. I found that out uh, several years ago that the Muslims like revered men. They even uh, believed in some of the doctrines that, that we believe in, like a perpetually a virgin, all this. Like, it was like, wow, that's crazy. And yeah, of course, um, our our faith is 
is different from the Muslims. Of course, I'm not saying like, oh, look, they said that. So that means it's, it guarantees it's right. But it's funny that even you see this even 600 years after Jesus, right? You have the Muslims attesting to this. You have 1500 years or 1600 years later, right? In, in the 16th century, you have John Calvin and you have Martin Luther to start at the Protestant Reformation, you have them defending Mary in scripture saying, oh, she's not a virgin. This is nonsense. You got the, again, John Calvin and mm-hmm. Martin Luther themselves defending some of the doctrines that the, the Catholic Church would hold. And she is the Theotokos, the mother of God. I had done this debate with uh, with the Protestant uh, Bible only and we went back on like, should we pray to Mary? Should we not pray to Mary? All this stuff. We went into Mary and right at, we had a buzzard. So right at the end, I was kind of mad at myself because I didn't hold him to the fire and he's a good guy, good guy. But in that debate, I remember he was like, well, um, Mary's only the mother of the flesh, Jesus, the, the human Jesus only. She's, she's not the mother of God. She's only uh, the mother of the, the human side of Jesus. And I was like, you're kind of getting rid of the whole hypostatic union, which most Christians attest to the hypostatic union, which means God's fully man, fully divine. And I was like, if you're saying that she's only the mother of the baby Jesus, like the fetus Jesus, where's the divinity of Jesus when he's a fetus? Mm. He's there. It's, it's in him, the hypostatic union. So therefore, therefore it follows that she is the mother of God, the Deotokas. I mean, yeah, to me, it again, like, logically, it's yeah. there in Scripture. Uh, like, either Jesus is fully God and fully man, or he's not. And, you know, that's 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 not uh, that's the Christian way of looking at it. The Christian way of looking at it is Jesus is the bread of life. Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, where does where do we really start besides besides you know the earlier parts of the Gospel of Luke you know the uh, the union with the Holy Spirit which is another aspect of Theotokos right she's the mother of God she's the daughter of God the Father and she's the spouse of the Holy Spirit right mm-hmm. and so. Uh, Jesus, it, the, the, one of the brilliant things that Bishop Sheen says in this talk, he says, I need hardly tell you that there is no such thing as adoration of Mary. We have not made Mary important. It is our Lord that made her important. Okay? Mm-hmm. So why? Well, I mean, like, I don't really know why, but we can go back to the Ten Commandments. And what does he say in the Ten Commandments? God says, honor your father and mother, right? And so for any self-respecting Christian, any Christian that that aspires to be Christ-like, that says, I love Jesus, I want to be just like him, then veneration of Mary is a no-brainer. It's actually a commandment. We're supposed to venerate Mary because if we're not, then we're not abiding by the commandments of God. You know, we're, we're in defiance of the Ten Commandments if we do not venerate Mary. We're not being Christ-like if we do not honor his mother. Uh and so where do we get the first glimpse of that, where Jesus honors his mother? And Bishop Sheen brings up something that I meditate on constantly. It's one of my favorite meditations, the wedding at Cana, mm-hmm. where uh, there's so much depth to the wedding at Cana, like so much depth to it. And it just keeps 
the more I meditate on it, the more you keep learning about it because it's a wedding, there's wine, there's guests, there's all these different aspects to it. But the, the part of it that sticks out to me uh, that I love to meditate on and that I constantly return to is, you know, Mary notices the needs of the wedding before anybody else does, right? And in a way, that, that tells us she notices our needs before we, we realize. She knows what we need before we need it sometimes. And what does she do? Right. She asks her son uh, to, to fix it. You know, she asks her son for a miracle before his time, right? And so uh, this is why Marian intercession is so powerful because Jesus loves her you know, with a perfect love, you know, uh, he, he honors her in a way that uh, we can't even begin to understand. And so if she asks something of him, he knows that she's asking something of him uh, that is uh, out of a place of love as well. You know, why did she ask for that? Well, we could go into a long talk about why it was important that the wine didn't run out at the wedding. Uh, and I've heard people talk about it. The water, say, the it, baptism, it the illusion. That. It, it would have been the bad blood. if they ran out of the out of the wine there, right? Uh, and so she didn't want that to happen. She didn't want this new wedding of their friends to start off on a bad note, right? She wanted there to be harmony there. She wanted it to work out good. And she knew, probably because she probably had seen Jesus doing other things as he was growing up as a kid. So she probably already knew, oh, Jesus can fix this, you know, and with her perfect faith, she goes and asks him. And of course, uh, he makes it happen. And one of the other things that I like to, to think about, too, is, that, you know, they mentioned six jugs of water there. And I was thinking to myself, why not seven? You know, because mm. seven would be like that more perfect number. But then I thought one day, well, either Jesus is the seventh jug of wine. Or perhaps Mary was the seventh jug uh, when she held, you know, Christ in her womb. So either one of them mm. could have been the seventh jug of wine. Interesting. That's beautiful. Um, but just, you know, in short, uh, this is why we venerate Mary, right? She is our mother because Christ is our brother. And we are brothers in Christ. And therefore, she is our mother. He clarifies this at the foot of the cross, with the apostle John. Yeah. Uh, when, he, when he lets him know that this is your mother, John is a stand in. I think Sheen says it here somewhere. He's a yes. stand in for all of humanity at that point in time. Uh, of course, there there's going to be people that dispute the nature of that statement that Christ makes. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's very clear. It's one of those deep meditations where it, you know the more you think about that the more you begin to realize you know yes like she is our mother christ is my brother you know he's he's we're in a spiritual family and you know she is our mother so we ask her for help and i promise you i challenge people to ask her because she will answer you know she will always lead a, lead you to one place her son uh, she brings us mm. to her son yeah. we don't pray to mary we pray through mary okay we she's not a god 
she's not Jesus. <laughs> she mm-hmm. is the mother of God and she is our mother. That's a very important yeah. uh, concept. She gets to see the face of God every day. She gets to be up there in heaven. And we say, uh, Mary, hey, you know, can you help us out here, mom? Mm-hmm. And there's this beautiful love that exists. Um, I know my mom passed away this year and I miss her a lot. And I pray and, and stay in communion with her as well. But there is this person, this beautiful story of Mary in, in different cultures. She appears in different ways to different people. Um, the Virgen de Guadalupe looks yeah. one way. Our Lady of Fatima looks a different way. There's there's a Vietnamese version of Mary. Yes. I think those are all beautiful things. And, and all of those images, all of these apparitions lead us to, to God, to her son. You know what? It's like having a friend at Microsoft. You know, you have problems with your computer. And, <laughs> yeah. and if you have a friend at Microsoft, it's really helpful. It's better than getting uh, on the 800 number. And then they take you and they're trying to like walk you through it. And they may or may not be rude, nice to you or whatever. Mary is like our hookup at Microsoft. If you have yeah. a friend at Microsoft, because you can call him and say, hey, look, I'm having a problem. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. I got you. I'm going to send you some software or whatever. Take care of you. Exactly. You have to have that relationship. Let me interject something here. The other day, I was praying at our favorite p- place to pray at the grotto. Yeah. This beautiful oblate grotto that we have. Beautiful. Here. And um, and that's a very powerful yeah. place to pray, very. right? We've seen a lot Love of it. miracles, man, come yes. out of that place. I don't know if it's because it is on the grounds of the oblate college where they teach priests and other people uh you know these the theological yeah. there's a cemetery right next to the grotto where that's hollow ground cemeteries uh, are hollow ground uh, uh and not only that but there happened to be nothing but priests yeah. buried at this cemetery about i counted about 170 close to 200 at priests least. buried there right there is just something very special about that place yeah it's become very special to me i was sitting there quietly the other night and this young man comes up uh as i'm sitting there and he says, sir, excuse me, uh, can I ask you something? And I said, sure. And he says, I, I just got out of prison. And uh, wow. I'm, I'm wondering if you can help me. Now, there was lots of other people at the grotto that day. Of all the people he could have chosen. Of all of he, them. Of all of them. He chooses me, right? Wow. That's a blessing. But he also didn't know that I used to do prison ministry for young people uh, in California right. uh, at Juvenile Hall. And so... Uh, you know, while most people might have been intimidated by a guy says, I just got out of prison, I welcome them with uh, open arms. Hey, let's sit down. Let's talk. Sit down. I said, you know, let's talk about what's going on. And he starts telling me a little bit about his life. And then I, eventually I find out he's hungry. So we go to a nearby restaurant down the street uh, and I offer to buy him a couple of tacos. And he is so thankful. He was just so, so, so loving. You could tell that there was something bothering him. Uh, that there was a heaviness to him. So I asked him, I said, you know, what ended up, you, you're never really supposed to ask somebody, you know, what, why you ended up in prison. But I could tell uh, that he had suffered. He had tattoos on his fingers that said Mary Jane, that he honored, you know, God, uh, yeah. the drugs and marijuana. And, 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 and I could even smell a little bit of marijuana on him. Right. And I said to him, you know, when we do those things, when we abuse marijuana, drugs, uh, I'm sure you've done other heavier drugs and that and and alcohol and things. It's because we're 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 drowning out our pain. Yeah, we're we're numbing our pain with this stuff. 
And yeah. He looks at me like I, I just revealed something he had never heard. Right. Um, and I said, tell me about your pain. Tell me about the, the, the thing that has caused you so much pain. And he says, oh, man, I've seen so much stuff. Uh, I'll use the word stuff instead of the other <laughs> S word. Um, yeah. You know, Prison, in yeah, my course. life since I was since I was 13, I've been alone. And I said, really? And he says, yeah. And uh, and I, I had an older brother who who raped me uh, repeatedly. And he started opening up and he started to get this very interesting look on his face. He 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 was vulnerable to me mm. and I could see. And he told, I asked him, I said, well, where were your parents when all this was happening? You know, and he says, well, my dad was in prison and I don't really talk to him. He's not really part of my life. And what about your mom? Well, my mom doesn't want anything to do with me. This is a kid who hasn't been loved by anybody for a long time. And he's in this situation. Now, luckily, he just got out of prison. And I asked him what that experience was like. And it was very powerful to hear him share that they tried to teach him to try a different path. But they didn't really give him the tools, right? And so I'm thinking about that. I'm praying as we're eating and I'm watching him just enjoy the heck out of his yeah. carne asada tacos, <laughs> man. He just is so thankful. And um, and I was happy that I that I was blessed enough to be able to give him that. But I Wonderful. wanted to give him something else. And I had a, a thought. I said, you know what? Why don't we go back to the grotto? I want to introduce you to somebody. Mm. And this was all the Holy Spirit. Or as I said to him, because he spoke Spanish. Anyway, we go back to the grotto. And we go to the Tepeyac Hill. And the Tepeyac Hill at the grotto is where we have an image of the Virgen de Guadalupe. And there's Juan Diego in front of her. And I said, do you know this story? Are you Catholic? And he said, no, I'm, I'm Christian. I said, well, let me introduce you to someone. And I sat there and I spent quite a bit of time kind of telling him the whole story of how this nobody Indian who wasn't qualified was chosen by her to deliver a message to the bishop to build a church there. And I kind of ran him through the imagery. I told him about the tilma that, that, that Juan Diego was, was wearing. And I said, you know, this woman that we see is the mother of God. And I want to introduce you to your new mother. Wow. And he just looked. Now, when wow. I was doing all this, he was eating it up like a little kid. He was a 24-year-old young man. And you could tell he had a good heart, right? But he just never heard this. Was, he never heard this. And and I've learned in my own path that all you have to do is bring the children to God. Like he yeah. says, let the children, the children come, to me. come to me. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. And now this took a lot longer. I'm not doing it justice because I went into a lot of detail and I showed him, you know, some of the miracles and the imagery and, and the story. And, and he was absolutely just taken by and fascinated. He says, you know, I kind of seen this image before, but I didn't yeah. know anything about it. And I said, listen, I am giving you the mother that you never had. Mm. You can come to her mm. and you can ask her for what you need. Amen. And she will listen to you and she will pray for you. We don't pray to her. I went through the whole spiel yeah. we just went through. We don't pray to her. We pray through her. And he absolutely was fascinated by it. He was receptive to it. And we sat there for a few minutes, just kind of contemplating things. And I told him, I said, you know, in, in the Latino culture, we have this thing called the promesa, the promise. You can mm. make a promise to her. Hey, if you help me out with this really big favor, this really big thing that I need, I will go to see you. I will go to Mexico City to go visit that image of Ilma 
and you see people when you go there crawling yeah uh, literally on, yeah. on their knees uh, all the way up to the until they get to her yeah and it was a very special thing for me to be sharing it with him because i went to go see her on a promise that i had made that for years i hadn't gone to see her i just couldn't get to it every time there was something that got in the way and right before my mom died i made that trip and i got to go deliver on my promise to her and thank her in person and i said this to him and he looked like he just was putting this in his back pocket and he was going to use it because i nice. know that more than anything he wants to be healed he wants to have a better life he's living on the streets homeless he hadn't eaten in a few days and he was giving he was taking what i was giving him as this beautiful beautiful gift and then i remembered i had a um a miraculous medal in mm. my pocket that was given to me by our other friend chris the other yeah. day chris gave it to me and i actually went to a, a they have a a a, a a church um a, a an actual mass that takes place at the grotto on sunday that uh, that my dad loves going to and after mass they bless anything that you have in your oh, you know, as wonderful. far as religious articles and so forth and i got it blessed so nice. i gave it to him and i said here this is a is is the miraculous medal and then i told him a little bit about that story and how it came to be and how if he goes to france today the, the nun who created the medal the miraculous medal her body lays in state there, incorrupted uh, since the 1700s. And he was just, his mind was just blown, right? I said, look, you can look it up. You don't have to believe me, but these are all real miracles that you can touch. I hugged this guy. I prayed over him. I asked his permission if I could pray over him and, and ask for St. Joseph, who's a great healer, to intercede and heal him because I could tell he was suffering and, and he still had addictions and things. And I don't know what happened. But I saw him leave. He took one of the tacos that I bought him to go because I think he was like, you know, I want to have this for later. And he's walking yeah. down the street. I'm watching him from up on the hill on Tepeyac Hill. And I'm watching him down the street as he's going away. Not before, by the way, he gave me a hug. And he gave me this hug that lasted, wow. like really lasted. And I gave, I was so present to the fact that this, this young man has not been loved yeah. by anyone for a while, you know? And it was just so moving to me. I was just tearing up. Wow. And then I got in my car and I'm like, oh man, I'm late. So I, I chase down the same path, by the way, that this guy had just walked onto, onto Blanco Road, which is a big, busy street. I saw him take a left. I got in my car, I got to get to my meeting, and I follow, and as I get to Blanco Road, which I just saw him get there, I look to the left, and I can't see him, I can't find him, and I'm thinking, what happened to this kid? Like, he should be walking down the sidewalk. You didn't so see I him at all? My, no, I didn't see him at all. So I turned my car around, and I went down the direction that I saw him go, looking for him purposely, and I couldn't see him, and I came home, and that was just like, what was that? Like, that's something that gives you chills. Was that an angel? Was that an angel? <laughs> yeah. Was that God? Oh During a time when Jesus, I went through like... a lot in my life and I'm giving this beautiful gift to him. Wow. Like, what was that? Right. And I, and I had given him my phone number and I said, listen, man, if you ever want to level up, if you ever really want to level up and do, do away with all this stuff that's, yeah. uh, in your heart, this pain, I taught him about offering up that pain. Um, and, and I knew, again, that he was still struggling with uh, an addiction, perhaps. I said, um, I'll, I'll, I'll help you level up. You know, you're, you've got a friend in me. And I gave him my card, and he took it. And tonight, he called me right before the podcast. He called me, and he wants me. And, and what's beautiful about that 
is that I found a resource for him and I found him in our God crew in, in our little circle of friends mm. from church. <laughs> the other day we met a, a, a gentleman who, whose name I won't say, but he is a chef at a homeless shelter. And every one of the people who works for him in that homeless shelter kitchen is somebody like this young man who came yeah. out of prison, who came out of addiction, who's turning their life around. So I called him up and I said, hey, man, I met somebody who might need your help. Will you hook me up? And he says, absolutely. Bring him down. So let's pray for him. His name yes. is Michael. Michael Anthony, he told me was his name. And I'm going to pray for him. And I ask Definitely. you guys to pray for him, too. And I have a feeling this little thing, I don't know, maybe that we're going to see a miracle here. And that's great because you introduced him to our mother. You introduced him to that. And that's, oh, I, I know miracles are going to come about. So it's like in John Amen. 19, woman, behold your son. And then he turns, behold your mother, like she's ours and she loves us. And that's so crazy. Like John, like Mary's intercession, that is something that Sheen goes, he goes multiple places, not just one. He doesn't just stick to, you know, the perpetual virginity. He doesn't just, he, he goes to multiple areas. So dynamic in this talk. Like what is something else that stuck out to you? Cause she is our mother. Well, you know, a lot of the great saints, uh, you know, unanimously agree on this. one. You know, most of the great saints, I would think, uh, at least in my reflections, have all sort of agreed on this, like devotion to the mother of God is essential on the pathway to sainthood. And again, I think it goes back to the Ten Commandments, honor thy father and mother. If we're truly being brothers and sisters of Christ, then we have a devotion to his mother in the same fashion that he did. Like, that's just a no-brainer, you know? Find me a Christian that doesn't have a devotion to the Blessed Mother, and their Christian faith is actually suffering greatly, in my opinion. Uh, one true. of the things that, that, that Mary, uh, that, that Sheen said about Mary, he's doing a dialogue between St. Peter, and he's, it's... It's Jesus talking with Peter. He says, Peter, I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. How did these souls gain entry into my kingdom? Peter said, don't blame me, Lord. Every time I close a door, your mother opens a window. And that's, the way, and that's the way perhaps some of us will get in, the open window. He says, George Bernard Shaw said shortly before he died, I think maybe his mother will let me in. You know, sometimes we hear, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say that comes down to the intercessions, the intercessions of the uh, Blessed Virgin Mary. And I, I know, like you said, you mentioned how some people might not have the devotion. They might be afraid because they might get uh, confused with the word pray. Like, you know, we say, oh, we pray. And nowadays, yeah, it's gotten a different meaning. But if you go back to the Latin, the root of pray, precare, what does that mean? If you go down to the root, it meant to ask earnestly a request that's the the, the real the land precari and that's the real word because i had somebody tell me oh pray uh it, it, pray means to worship god i'm like no 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 i'm talking about the original word pray in latin the old school way now it's gotten confused so when people hear pray they get it confused we don't worship mary but we do ask actually even in church teachings if you if you look at the church material the catechism or any other documents 
they usually don't use the word pray. They usually, uh, the intercessions of the saints, they'll, they'll use intercession a lot. Um, and I think that it, it could be good or bad. Cause again, uh, one part, we don't want to like bend to the modern day will of, okay, pray means that no, but then at the same time, if you want to kind of level up or kind of, kind of, um, open up the door, maybe we should, say intercession instead of prayer but again that's up for debate but her intercession like you were talking about john and again dusty the virgin mary interceding on behalf of this young man's life giving him the miraculous medal but you're such a good good dude dusty that's so incredible i can't wait for the miracles but again it all goes back to intercession and earlier i want to touch on something because before i forget it you did in the talk you talked about uh mary right being the ark of the covenant typology well in the old testament guys what was in the ark of the covenant do you guys remember there was a few things in the yeah, ark know, of the covenant i know there was bread was in there yes right? the, the, heaven, manah, the, the manah the what the manah is it that had fallen from the sky it means what did you know manah yeah. means what is it it literally translates to what is it the manah <laughs> so there's the manah in the ark of the covenant uh you had the staff right you had aaron's staff moses staff the word of god right so think about that. Ready? The bread of life, the staff, the the word of God. What is Jesus? Jesus is our high priest. Well, that's the staff, right? Well, mm -hmm. Jesus is the bread of life. That's the manna. And Jesus is literally the word of God. The Ten Commandments. Right. So, so all yeah. three of what was in the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, Mary is carrying in all three of those representations in in our lord and savior jesus christ and i find that fascinating also when david the he sees the ark right he leaps of course what it was elizabeth john he leaps she stayed in the hills of judea for three months uh when they sent the ark away in three months so there's so much typology and the love of mary is so great like what would you tell somebody that was kind of like still struggling like well mary wasn't a virgin she had kids she had other kids again that's almost blasphemous to say that another another baby would open up the womb of the ark of the covenant right doesn't that kind of mm. make logical sense right well you know we talked a little bit about the fact that uh god created uh mary yeah and he he had a chance to create the vessel through which he would yes. be walking through to the earth in the form of Jesus. And he, he made that, that the hallways of that entrance, uh, spotless, sinless Mary, we believe was uh, immaculately conceived, which means that she was basically born without the stain of original sin. So that is one thing that people today yep. pro probably disbelieve in yes. the immaculate conception because people today don't believe that they there, there could be something without sin yeah but um therefore um you know that's just one of many things that people have a problem with i am reminded what some of the saints say give her a chance give joseph a chance mm -hmm. pray through them for their intercession and you will see for yourself, that there is something truly special, uh, truly amazing in, in, in her own story. A lot of people don't know. It wasn't actually uh, probably not discussed a lot uh, because it was there were stories and there were things that came to light uh, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. 
The Dead Sea Scrolls contain quite a bit of of information about Mary and Joseph and yeah. this sort of clan of Jewish people yes. that they belong to. I don't know if you guys know about that or John, if you're yes. familiar, but this was a very yeah. special, very devout group of Jews. The Essenes, uh, correct? I believe yeah. you're right. Yeah, so, the Essenes. Yeah. 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 What 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 comes to mind, John, about the Essenes? What I know, just sort of paraphrasing, uh, these were basically Jews that had, I guess, almost become disenfranchised yeah. from the culture. Almost uh, in hiding. Of, yeah. yeah, because of, of Hellenism, which mm. was Greek culture uh, sort of integrating itself into Jew, the Jewish culture and, and sort of their, their culture and Jewish traditions and, and practices going away and the Greek and Roman cultures sort of overtaking that and many and many of the jews doing what a lot of christians in western society are doing now which is sort of just kind of uh succumbing to the ways of the world or the ways of these worldly cultures and the essenes were hebrews that respected the laws the mosaic laws they wanted to abide by those laws and so they would move out i guess they lived out in the wilderness some people have speculated that John the Baptist was one of these. Yes. Some people yeah. have speculated that even the Holy Family was was uh, of these people and then Jesus himself as well. But that, that's all speculation. Yeah, sure. Uh, but it is it is something to, to consider, you know, and, and uh, that there were a small amount of Jewish people that were really truly trying to adhere to God's laws and God's ways in the midst of a culture in decay. Uh, leading up to uh, the birth of Christ and then, of course, his, his mission. And it would be interesting to point out that if this were all true, these were the people that that God chose as uh, as the family for 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 Jesus, wow. right? So sure. it's a beautiful story. Oh, there's also other things like you know, all of a sudden we've all heard the story of Joseph is going to marry this woman. He's betrothed. Uh, to to marry, uh, all of a sudden he finds out she's pregnant. She tells him, "I'm mm. carrying, the, <laughs> I'm <laughs> carrying our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ." And he's like, "Yeah, right. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, how am I going to save face here? Because <laughs> um, I, I got to divorce this girl." Any if Joseph is a, he's described as a just man. I think he's he's described as we get an image of him that is. Okay, this is a guy who's God and wants to obey God's commandments. And so automatically we can discerning Christians. Well, Joseph must have been a man with a discerning heart, you know, and so any man with a discerning heart is going to try to come to the most logical uh, you know, conclusions and wait for God to speak, pray about it, but then ultimately do what he thinks is the most righteous and just. Uh, decision, and which is what he does. I'm sure he was probably very torn about it, but ultimately he can't. Uh, he makes a decision that I think a, a devout Jewish person of his day would have made. He, he makes the type of decision that's almost predictable for a man that's described as being just. But of course, it takes an act of God, you know, an angel appearing to him in a dream to make him sort of go against that traditional Jewish mindset of I must do what's right in accordance with the law. Right. Right. And he got any, and the only reason he, he goes against that 
is because God literally steps in and says otherwise, you know, and that's sort of a precursor to Christ because Christ in some ways does the same thing, you know, where he seeming, seemingly contradicts Mosaic law right. from time to time where he's not really contradicting it. He's what we know as he's fulfilling the, that law. Yeah. And so Joseph yeah. was fulfilling, you know, his role as a foster father in those decision makings, because I think it was, it was right for him to make the decision to divorce her peaceably. That was the just decision. God wanted Joseph to sort of make that decision of his own free will so that he could say, yes, Joseph makes the right decision. He chooses love of me over love of his betrothed. You know, that's what Joseph did. He chose love of God over love of his betrothed because he knew that he has to do what right by God. And if it wasn't for the dream, well, the story would have went differently, but God had a plan the whole time. So, you know, we talk about, I know D- Dusty mentioned it, talk about how uh, immaculate conception and how, well, how can nobody sin? And I think some people may get the misconception. Like, are you saying Mary didn't need a savior? Well, if you think of it like this, it's, you can be saved by different ways. For example, if there's a hole in the woods or the pit and you fall into a pit, somebody could come and pull you out of that pit or right before you're about to step in that pit, somebody puts their hand and protects you or think of a vaccine. A doctor can save you with pill or medicine after you get a disease or the doctor can vaccinate you and preventing you from getting the disease. So I think that kind of logically or philosophically could should put at ease the whole, whoa, how can Mary be sinless? Also, you have to think about this. I don't think it was necessary that Mary be, even though I do see the typology in the Ark of the Covenant and it's so holy, you know, somebody touches in the Old Testament, they die. So how can somebody mm-hmm. touch the Ark after, you know, anyway, but I don't think it's necessary. I would say it's fitting I would mm. because God can do whatever He wants. God's outside of right. the sacraments; He could do sure, whatever He yeah. wants. Not like God's bad, like oh man, I can't, I have to. But I think it's right. fitting that the Virgin Mary w- was saved from that kind of personal sin. It's fitting, and it's just such a mystery, and it's such a beauty. And I love this Fulton Sheen talk. It's just there's so much to say. And I think we're going to we're going to come back to the topic, right? I mean, there's still oh, so much yeah. more to talk about, definitely. Mary. I can't wait. I want to share a story about how the Virgen de Guadalupe didn't start on Tepeyac Hill. There's oh. this whole other backstory that's, that's like really amazing and beautiful that uh, I can't wait to share. When when we get to that point, we'll, we'll do I it. I can't so wait. That's this is exciting. not the end. John, what did you, what did you have to say, John? Well, you know, just on some of her titles, you know, uh, going back to that window analogy, you know, uh, we in Revelation get a glimpse of certain things and we see the gate of heaven. One of Mary's titles is gate of heaven. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, the savior of the world comes to us through Mary. And so one of the ways that the saints learned how to get closer to Jesus was basically that in reverse through Mary, you know, to Jesus through Mary, Jesus to us through Mary. This is why she's given that title of gate of heaven. Another title is, is star of the sea, which ties back into the beginning of, of this talk where uh, Dusty brought up the Kuan Yin, 
uh, and she sort of talking about that. Uh, and and St. Faustina talks about this some in her diary. It's interesting. This is very interesting. And Sheen didn't bring this up in his talk, but you know, they say Quan Yin, the goddess of mercy. And I think that's fascinating because, you know, uh, St. Faustina had a devotion to Mary as well and had Marian apparitions. And of course the divine mercy was uh, revealed, you know, sort of through St. Faustina. Uh, and one of the things that she talks about in her diary is that title, Star of the Sea, which is one of Mary's oldest titles. Ave Maria Stella is the is the uh, hymn, which means Hail Star of the Sea. That was her earliest title. And on the surface, it's looked at as a sort of maritime title, you know, uh, a, a woman that protects sailors, you know, uh, people that go out on ships. But in St. Faustina's meditations, uh, it's actually a, a title that is more describing the sea of souls, you know, oh. star of the sea. And she specifically talks about the souls in purgatory. And wow, how the Mary souls in purgatory. The one that comes down through the gate of heaven and mm. brings refreshment to the souls in purgatory, you know, mm. brings mercy, brings, you know, brings through, through her, uh, Christ's mercy is, is brought down. And it, it's just a, it's a fascinating, uh, meditation. And then when you read the thing about Quan Yen, you know, it reminds me of like sort of how the Greeks were touching on the logos. I was going like, to bring that up I, next. I'm glad you, know, you said that. Yeah. And, and you have these these ancient societies that seemingly were were on the surface, like they were scratching the surface of mm -hmm. something profound. Uh, you know, maybe they were getting it from somewhere. Who knows where they were getting it from? Uh, but they they were on the cusp of something, not yeah. quite there yet. And then we see its fullness reached, you know, through one of the great Catholic saints, uh, St. Faustina, you know. So yeah, those are I was things gonna, that, I, that I really like to meditate on. Those titles of hers. I was going to cool. say it's like, yeah, I love that. How uh, I, some of the church fathers, uh, w some of the writings, they would say like they were convinced that Plato had some type of divine because he was on the Greeks were on it. Just like again, the Mary, and not just the Greeks, but the other throughout history, God has always. It's not like God just all of a sudden here's Jesus, but before Jesus, He was planting the seeds, and we see that even in Mary. I was less aware of the Mary. I know a lot in the the Greek stories and the ancient literatures, the the uh, prelude to Christ figure, the Christ figure. I, I was aware of that, not so much of the Mary. So I was very fascinated. But when he talked about how Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey and the, the weeping, the sorrowful mother, right? The sorrowful mother, we see that I'm present to something. Oh, there, I said it again. <laughs> so you're making me say that word now, Dusty. I'm present. Um, I'm aware of this. You know, we talk about titles. You know, what's one title that it's in our history of man. And nobody really brings it up a lot. And that's Queen Mother. Queen mm. Mother. Back in the day in our history, that meant something. It wasn't like, oh, that's just the 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 the, the king's mother. No, no, no. She had authority. If you look back in history, hundreds, thousands of years, the Queen Mother had a certain authority. She wasn't just uh, whatever. So I think we kind of we lost our history and we kind of lost the reverence for the Queen Mother, which is of course, our Blessed Virgin Mary. That's right. We've had a lot of really good things to think about being present to the fact that we have a mother in heaven 
who is ready to intercede for us. Her spouse, by the way, I cannot let the show end without saying her spouse. I have a great devotion to as well. He is, in my opinion, just as powerful at, at being able to bring our prayers and our needs to his son, Jesus Christ. So, uh, give Joseph a chance as well. John, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Uh, many more times, maybe the Joseph talk, that'd be cool. Many other talks. Uh, once again, I am Roger. That was John. And I'm Dusty. God bless. Godspeed. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>